Welcome to this British football podcast, concentrating on League One playoff semi-finalist Wickham Wanderers. Topping the bill, Gareth Ainsworth, their manager for nearly eight years, the longest serving boss in all 91 clubs that comprise the Premier League and the EFL. His head of media, Matt Cecil, joins us, as does Utilitas' former football writer, Jem Maidman. So, Gareth, first of all, it's quite extraordinary, really, isn't it? That before the lockdown, with a bit of game in hand, you were eighth. And then when they decided on the points per game system, you went up to third, the highest ever position. Was there any time when you were concerned while they were deciding what they were going to do? Um, no, no, you know, um, good to see you, Gary. But no, no, there, there wasn't really, you know, I thought we'd, uh, our remit at the start of the season was to stay in League One. Um, the uh, the troubles at the, the end of last season, the budget was so low and, and we came in, the new owners came in and the remit was to stay in League One. So we'd, we'd achieved. So I was quietly confident that no matter what happened, we, we'd achieved what we wanted to do and I could have taken any decision. Of course, I knew behind the scenes that if it went to points per game, then we would we would be the, the ones who, uh, who get in those playoffs in third place. Um, and again, it does look like a big jump, but I've said to many people, you know, we we would have preferred the season to go on. We we if we could have had fans in the in the building and and the finances could have ticked over well enough to keep the club running through uh, through this period, we we were well up for playing the season out. We had a good run in. Um, as you say, we had a game in hand. We play we we were due to play Barry the week before the lockdown, which again, timing wise was uh, was was huge. We we went from I think third to eighth in that weekend, you know. So. Um, it, it was it was nice to be in the playoffs. It wasn't the way I wanted to do it, but um, I thought we uh, we handled it really well as a club. We uh, we were told from the top from Rob Kirk, let's let's keep everything confidential. Let's just be humble uh, and let the powers that be decide. So um, no, it, it was it was horrible the season had to end, but totally agree with the decision after after the pandemic hit. Um, but it's nice to be sat in these playoffs now and. and beyond our wildest dreams, Gary, in, in, in anything we thought would have happened this season. Now you've got Fleetwood, um, who finished uh, the bottom of the playoff positions. Uh, that's on Friday. Joey Barton and all that. How do you view that game? Yeah, it's going to be a tough game. Um, when the decision was made for points per game, um, I remember that the, uh, the bookies odds coming out and lo and behold, Wickham are the outsiders do me just fine that will because uh, we, we've been that for, for such a long time now and, and people are saying oh you know a few comments were coming out oh that's a small club mentality we we are a small club don't, don't do not make any any assumptions that we're a huge club Portsmouth's and Oxford's and, and Sunderland's and Ipswich in our division they, these are huge clubs so so being the underdogs with nothing to lose doing what we've done so far I think the pressure is off us um, although Fleetwood is a good side. Uh, out of the four sides in the playoffs, I think they play some fantastic football. Joey had a real good run. He was on a on a twelve game unbeaten run. I think we've watched his last ten games. Uh, had plenty of time to do that. Wish I hadn't in some stages because they're playing some superb stuff. Chad Evans, Paddy Madden, um, you know um, Barry Mackay on loan from Swansea. Some fantastic talent in their side. So it will be tough. But again, everyone has said we wouldn't like to face Wickham in the playoffs. And that, I take that as a compliment. Um, yeah. 
I'm sure there's some nice stuff meant in there somewhere. Um, and, I, and if I'm honest, I wouldn't like to play Wickham either. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what we can do against Fleetwood. And uh, over two legs, um, the best team will come out with the winners. And, and we're, we're friends. There's going to be no fireworks with me and Joey. I'm sure we're, we're friends. And Clint Hill is assistant. So everyone's probably waiting for that. But um, he's a good guy, very passionate. But uh, he's got a good side there as well. Just before I bring Matt in, can I just ask you about this? You, with the Premier League getting all the attention for the media, mm-hmm. this playoff, like Northampton's, has almost come in under the radar, hasn't it? Everybody's talking about Liverpool. Everybody's talking about who's going to go up in the championship leads, who's going to be relegated. Um, it all goes on, but not too much publicity about the playoffs. No, and in a way, I'm... Um, a little bit gutted for the boys because they deserve some publicity after the season they've had. You know, they really do. We have, we have Bayo Femmer in the side at 38 years old, you know, still, still performing like he's in his 20s. Matt Bloomfield, the stalwart for 17 or 18 years at the club. These boys who have, who have done the shift in, in those, you know, doldrums of the league. We, we stood on the line at Torquay nearly going out of the Football League five years ago. These boys now have a chance to reach, what, what is it, the fifth biggest league in the world, the Championship. I think it's watched by, you know, you've got the Premier League at the top and the Championship's in the top five. And and to have a, a shout at that, I really want the players to get the adulation. They, they deserve it. They've been fantastic this season. But again, under the radar, could be very Wickham. Um, and as you say, Northampton, although they thumped uh, Exeter last night, it seems to still have gone under the radar and everyone is still concentrating on these two top divisions. Well, let's get in these two top divisions. That's all I can say. And we'll be well on the yeah. radar. Let's bring in Matt, your head of uh, media, Matt Cecil. Um, how, are the, how are the fans being accommodated here? How are they? Because you obviously can't take them to either Fleetwood or hopefully Wembley. Hi, Gary. Yeah, it's yeah. agony for them, really. You know, uh, the biggest games in the club's 133-year history uh, and nobody there to see them. Um, it's, it's a horrible situation uh, for them. It's horrible for us trying to engage them and, and kind of know that they're going to they're gonna have to miss out. But we're trying to involve them as much as we can. Uh, like many clubs, we followed in the lead of uh, some championship clubs offering cutouts in the stadium and they've gone down really popular uh, with supporters so they'll be able to have their own face in the crowd and what's been lovely was um, a gesture by a small group of fans that started on social media that they felt we should honour those fans no longer with us um, particularly those that passed away during the season and won't get to see Wickham Wanderers at its conclusion perhaps reach the championship um, and there was a crowdfunder that started up and has raised over £1,200 now, enabling cutouts of those fans who have passed away uh, to get one last game at Adams Park. So that's been a fantastic kind of fan-driven initiative. Uh, as a club, we've sold a lot of merchandise, a lot of flags. It's been great to see so many photos on social media of uh, households up and down the country with the flags up, the bunting up, people getting ready for their own parties to watch this game at home. Uh, we've received so many messages uh, of support for the boys. Um, and, and we can feel an energy, even though there isn't a game for people to go and watch at the end of the week. Um, they'll be in their homes cheering the boys on. Uh, and we've really enjoyed being part of that. So it's, it's a completely different experience for everyone here at the club. Um, but our fans will be with us in spirit. We've had a lot of flags and banners sent in that we'll be displaying in the stadium. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure that although the boys are kind of in isolation in their little bubble at the training ground and not really necessarily feeling the buzz of the supporters, uh, trust me, it is there. People are well up for this one. Just looking at the playoff situation, um, Matt, um, uh, you have uh, been in several playoffs. 
what was basically the history of the playoffs? This is the, what, the fourth or fifth and you've only won one of them? Yeah, Gareth might want to uh, turn his ears off for this one. Because, uh, <laughs> remember being a uh, young winger for Preston North End back in 1994. Uh, first trip to Wembley for the gaffer and, and Wickham were victorious that day. 2-1 uh, down at half-time. Uh, we came back really strongly in the second half. Uh, Dave Carroll, one of my boyhood heroes, scoring twice. Uh, Simon Garner, one of Gaz's uh, boyhood heroes from the days at Blackburn, uh, scoring for us as well. So that was a great day for Wickham in, in what was really a, an iconic era in the early 90s. Um, but since then, uh, not so good. Uh, all in League Two, we, we lost to Cheltenham Town over two legs in 2006. Lost uh, to Stockport County in the semi-finals in 2008. And of course, uh, in 2015, uh, one nil up against Southend United going into stoppage time and extra time. Southend got the equaliser and won on penalties. Um, so, you know, a really proud season that one for everyone at the club with, with what we achieved against the odds. Um, it ended in, in what felt like heartbreak, but I think really that was just a building block in the, uh, in the success that has followed. Um, who knows what would have happened had we gone up that year? You know, things could have fallen apart. But actually, I think um, I, may not, I may well not be here though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it may have been uh, you know a positive in the long run. <laughs> well, actually, you we ought to point out that three times you finished second uh, in League Two for promotion uh, place. That was 2009, 2011, and under Gareth, 2018. Just before I go to Jem, I just want to ask you go back to that. Um, Playoff uh, in 2019, uh, was it 1994, did we say? 94, yeah. Yeah, when um, uh, the, the current manager of Wickham deliberately got a yellow card, would I be right on that one? <laughs> yeah, I can't believe this story is out there, yeah. Oh, I've got it, mate, you know, so you better tell everybody about it. Um, um, okay, the great we're, story, we're 40, come on. We're 40 down. Um, and uh, obviously, I'm 21 years old and it's dream come true. And by the way, I get reminded of this. Every time I walk through the door at Wickham Wanderers, there's a big picture of the playoff final with the Wickham team being led out with Martin O'Neill, the Preston team being led out with John Beck. And I'm in that picture as a short-haired youngster. And every, every day I walk in, I think, there it is. Yeah, that's the one we lost. But um, the story of the yellow card, yeah, was um, back in those days, uh, Gary, um, I don't know, uh, Matt, you may just remember, but we're, we, you used to get something through the post. When you, when you got a booking in the, in the Football League, you'd get a letter from the FA um, and it would be addressed to your house and it'd have your name on and uh, what you were yellow carded for. And, and back in those days, you had points for the offence, so two, three or four points, depending on what the offence was. But the big thing on there was, it said location and it would put the stadium of where you were booked. So Wickham Wanderers or Preston or whatever. And I, honestly, um, I don't know if I should admit, that, uh, admit this, <laughs> but um, I, was, uh, I was playing at Wembley. We were 4-2 down. I think we are about the 88th, 89th minute. And I thought, you know what? I might just put a late one in on the keeper because for all the defeat and everything, at least I get this piece of paper that says Gareth Burns with yellow card, location, Wembley Stadium. So <laughs> I've got that still Brilliant. somewhere in the, uh, in the archives. And uh, I, I do not advocate that, by the way, to anyone. That was, uh, that was my one thing. And... Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was the only thing I took away from that day. Yeah, and no one's complaining about it. Uh, well, I suppose <laughs> nobody knows about it until now. Um, let me bring in Jem Maidman, um, who's been waiting very patiently, Utilita's Chief Marketing Officer. Um, you have uh, interest in both the uh, semi-finals, Jem, because um, you've got Wickham, who you sponsor, against Fleetwood, 
first leg at Fleetwood. And you've got Portsmouth, who you're also involved with, against Oxford. Yeah, we do. We do. And hello, everybody. I mean, for us, first of all, I mean, it's obviously great we've got two clubs that are participating in the, in the playoffs. All the pressures on Portsmouth, though. I mean, obviously, when we speak to them, the pressure on, on Portsmouth to get back up into the championship and, you know, subsequently into the Premier League at some stage is absolutely huge. The fact that Sunderland aren't even there um, shows what a great achievement it is for, 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 for Wick and Wanderers and, and Fleetwood as well certainly to get to where you are and where you're going to be on Friday night. And I just want to just get it in context, because for me growing up, I always remember Wickham Wanderers. They were a non-league club. I grew up in Bletchley, uh, in, in the, the other end of the county, um, at Buckinghamshire. But for, for us, Wickham Wanderers was a sort of sole representative um, football team, but they were still just a non-league club. So to come from where you were 25, 30 years ago, with Glyn Creaser and these sort of legends that were... So, you know, certain Wickham fans will remember to where you are now. The question I, I want to pose to you is: Can you do a Wimbledon? Can you do a Wimbledon? Yeah, and yeah, go from I mean, non-league yeah. all the way up. Why not? It's a great story, and, and the Wimbledon story is a great story, and there is no reason. And, and now you mentioned those people, Gem, as well. You know, I think they are legends back in the day. I know people go on about, well, we're we're, we're here now. And, but those, those lads who got this team in the Football League, I still know some of these guys, you know. And, and truly, you know, great players and built a great platform for us. Um, and hopefully one day people will look back at my Hacking Fenwars and, and Jacobsons and that and speak in the same ilk, you know, because uh, each generation of fans will have their own heroes. But um, maybe, we'll see. We'll see on Friday and Monday, definitely. But Wimbledon's story would be, uh, would be fantastic to repeat. Steve yeah. Gundy was in that side, wasn't he? The football conference team, I think. Yeah, he played in yes, that. Yes, yeah, he was. Now, quiz question for Gareth, Matt and Jem. Before they played in the football conference, what was the name of the league? Because I saw him play in that, that Wickham played in. What a below-the-belt question. Why would you do that, Gary? What's your motivation for doing that? Um... Just to show off, really. I can't think of any other reason. As, it, as, if Matt, as, Matt as we come ahead for the championship, it's called the Isthmian League. This, this, this is yours. It was called, Matt? The Isthmian League. Oh, oh the Isthmian League. Okay, yeah. okay. Did you know that, Matt? Uh, vague recollections from history books, but uh, <laughs> I'm not too young for all that, Gary. Just, okay. <laughs> right, let's, let's ask Jim what's going to happen What's going to happen? Wickham against Fleetwood at Fleetwood, first leg. Who's going to get through? And then you've got Portsmouth at home to Oxford. I, I th- what I, will I, the finalists be very quickly? I think the finalists are going to be Wickham Portsmouth. And, and that's not because they're, we have relationship with, relationships with them. In fact, back in October, I was at Wickham uh, when you beat Sunderland 1 0. Um, I don't think Sunderland particularly turned up that day, but I would also say Wickham most certainly did. And I've always felt. What, what the, the thing that astonishes me about what you've done, Gareth, at that club is that you seem to have, that there's a sort of mentality, a, a real togetherness. I know that's the word you hit, but, but a Wickham, it's acute and you can really see it and sort of smell it there. And I, and I actually, back then, actually predicted that <laughs> Wickham and Brentford would both make the playoffs and potentially both go up in their respective leagues. I'm still on for that, by the way. I haven't bet on it, <laughs> but I, it's, it's up here. Um, I, I just think that you'll be too strong for Fleetwood over two games. I think that, you know, um, certainly back home. The only thing I would say is tricky because, you know, you have, would you say you've got home advantage by playing at Adams Park with no fans? I mean, has that gone? Has, has... <clears throat> Jem, it's a, it's a really good point because 
we were talking about this, me and my staff, the other day. Um, finishing higher in the playoffs usually gives you the second leg at home, which means advantage. But not just the fans, the fact that we have had to travel on two coaches because of the, the COVID situation, because we, 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 we're getting up there. We've been, we've been having a nightmare with hotels to try and stay overnight. We then have a nightmare trying to arrange a pre-match meal in the hotel close enough to get to Fleetwood on the day. All this... Has, has definitely gone against us. So when you're talking about advantages, I think Fleet would probably have the home of We'll be home at 3 a.m. on on Saturday morning as well, you know, coming back from Fleetwood. So again, it's it's an interesting one, but my boys are adaptable. That's that's the big plus for me. So um, I'm hoping, hoping we can get the right result. Very quickly, Gareth. So yeah. I was saying earlier about the fact that Portsmouth, all the pressure, in my view, is on Portsmouth. Oxford's a big club as well. 30 years mm-hmm. ago, it was a top flight club as well. And, you know, big, big fan base, in my view. But certainly the pressure for me is on Portsmouth out of all the four clubs. Are you feeling the pressure? Are you enjoying it? Or do you feel the pressure to get up into the championship? You said earlier that, you know, your focus was just to stay up this year. Um, yeah, yeah. You've more than done um, that. It's a good question. Do you know what? As a football person and as a as a as a footballer, and, and since sixteen years old, I'm so lucky to have been in the game. I have been all about results and and making myself better and progressing. So of course, of course, I want to get to the championship. And and inside me, pressure within myself against myself to say, right, come on, can we do this? And if we didn't, of course, I'd be looking at myself thinking, but. Like you've alluded to so many times, you know, to to have this club where we are, um, I'm going to enjoy it. I really am going to enjoy it. I'm going to relish it. And if there is pressure there, I've turned it into this enjoyment challenge that we've got, you know, and, and it's not, I'm not really feeling where if we didn't do it, there would be no one looking at us going, oh, they should have gone up. There's no way people are saying we should be going up, you know, and, uh, and that's, that's, that's great for us. It really is good for us. And I actually work that in it in the opposite way sometimes. I'll tell my players how nobody gave you a chance, how nobody fancied you and uh, and how you can go and prove everyone wrong and, and change these record books for good. But um, yeah, so pressure question. If there is some there, manifesting in a different way probably in me um, because of the great fans I've got, the great owner I've got and, and, the, uh, and the players that they, they've just achieved already for me. Welcome back to this British football podcast, concentrating on the League One playoff semi-finalists, Wickham Wanderers. It's memory time now. Let's begin with Matt Cecil, the head of media. Um, what has Gareth seven and a half years done? What's he done for the club? I think for me, it, it comes about creating a culture and an identity that, that I feel as a fan, and I grew up with Wickham um, 94, that playoff final was one of my first games. And I think people talk about that Martin O'Neill era and those players. And for a long period after that, there was a succession of managers. I think football changed a lot, whereby players came and went in a year or two. And you kind of lost that, that culture of a, of a club. And that was restored, I think, when the gaffer came in. Um, it was a turbulent time. The trust had just taken over in 2012. Uh, big budget cuts, the loss of the academy. Uh, very quickly, uh, Gareth's predecessor, uh, Gary Waddock, lost his job. Gareth was chucked. Uh, the responsibility with the club struggling and injury crisis uh, steered us to safety in the first season. And and the second season just had so many challenges on and off the pitch, many of which weren't known about by supporters. I think the gaffer took the brunt of it. Um, a lot of the criticism was, was aimed at his direction because the team was struggling on the pitch. 
and he was the one who had to carry it on his shoulders. Um, that summer, I think the, the recruitment was outstanding and we've, we saw uh, a spine of the team being introduced uh, and, and not just great footballers, but the right kind of people who um, would, you know, they, they gelled very quickly. They generated this team spirit. If we went behind in a game, you wouldn't worry about it. You'd know these boys would know, would have what it takes to drag themselves back into it. And I remember uh, early on, in around 2014, the start of that season, and, and the chairman at the time, Andrew Howard, got a group of supporters together and said, what is it you want from your team? What is it you want from Gareth's team? And they said, all we want is to see a team that tries its best. If it's played off the park and loses, as long as they've given everything and they come off sweating buckets with blood, sweat and tears, that'll do for me as a Wickham fan. And we've seen that every single game, I think, in, in Gareth's tenure is uh, this culture of giving your all for the team, this togetherness. Um, and um, that, that, that's not... That's not it, because of course there's a great amount of quality and there and tactical nous that's that's really been built over the years. Uh, but that togetherness has, has kind of unified the whole club on and off the pitch and provided that platform for success. But Matt, that's a prerequisite for fans, isn't it? The first thing they want to see their players do when they cross the line is to put a shift in, no more, no less. And the qu- yeah, the quality is almost secondary. You know what I mean? It's yeah. first of all that yeah. they've, earned, they've yeah. earned their wage that week. You know, football fans aren't stupid. And, you know, look, I'm an Arsenal fan. Arsenal fans love Perry Groves. He wasn't the greatest striker, but at least he sweated every week and put a shift in. Yeah. And that's why he's yeah. remembered fondly. So, you know, as you are at QPR yeah. as well, Gareth. I think you had a yeah, bit more quality. Oh, thank you. I think yeah. you had more quality than him personally, but I wouldn't say that to him. <laughs> Jim, Jim, staying with you because um, Gareth is 47. I'm not sure whether he's still playing. I think he is. He plays for that well-known community-based team in Berkshire, uh, Woodley United. Can you tell me? Any, can you enlighten <laughs> me on that? Um, that's all I know about them. Um, uh, I, 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 I think he scored two. Somebody told me he got two goals in three games. Is that right, Gareth? Um, yeah, yeah the, the stats are correct. Yeah, I, I, I played a few more goals, so uh, a few more games. Sorry, so. My first are you still playing? Two goals. Yeah. I'm still, still playing, playing, yeah. So I'm yeah. still signing on for next year. The the uh, the league got obviously curtailed again, and that did get totally finished. Um, uh, and it's it's step six. Uh, again, the story is I used to, I was playing Sunday league when I retired at 41 years old, and I used to do football all week. I'd play. I'd manage Wickham Wanderers on a Saturday, and I'd get up Sunday morning and say to uh, to Donna the missus, I say right. I'm off to play Sunday league football now. She'd be like, well, is there not one day in the week where we can just not have football? Uh, and she didn't really say, but I, I could see it in her eyes. I got three children. So I thought, right, I'll give Sundays back. But I started missing it so much going out. And I'm telling everybody now, as long as you can still get out there and run about, play. Because it's the best thing in the world. I love playing and management's a close second. But So Tuesdays, um, the odd Saturday when we haven't got a game, I'll turn out for Woodley United. Step six. I've launched a semi-pro career, but um, I'm loving every minute, believe me. Is there much banter then, Gary? I mean, do you get targeted by the old, you know, nutter who's yeah, full of last night's beer, you know? Yeah, it's the same, you know. And and Sunday League was like that, right? Sunday League was the nutter from last night's beer, definitely. But Woodley, honestly, there's there's a couple of uh, there's a couple of decent players. We've, we've, there's uh, Didcot, Abingdon in our league. And I know these are names that people go, oh, wow. Brilliant. But they are historic non-league good sides and, and there's some good young players in the league and I, now and again I'll have the odd look and go do you know what I don't know I might, I might give you a trial mate you know? <laughs> but he's on the opposition so I don't like him so but um, no it's been still working it's, yeah I'm still working all the time but it's been really good and, and as I've said if any footballer will know what I'm talking about when 
if you can still get out there and kick a ball, it, it's the best thing in the world. I, I love it and I embrace that game and give you all, wow, I'm still doing it at that level and I, and I love every minute. That leads me neatly on to Bayo Akinfenwa. Now, he just mm. fascinates me. Is he 16 stone? You think? Well, um, yeah, Garrett. Honestly, we don't weigh him. What's the point? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's what's the yeah. point in weighing him? We, we, because yeah. he is what he is. He uses he uses all he is, and he plays a certain way. There is no point saying, "Bale, you've you've got to be this way or you've got to be that way." Because I actually don't know. It, it was reported he was sixteen and a half stone. If he is. He makes the damn most of 16 and a half stone I've ever seen anyone make because he is... But he's 38, he is. isn't he? Sorry, he's yeah, what? He's what are you going to say? Yeah, he's, he's what? He's, he's an awesome character, Garrett. He's, what, he, what he lacks in running and physical fitness and things, he more than makes up with it. What, first his strength and first you know that you stick that ball in the box. He's on it. He's going to be on it. He's an absolute nightmare. He's broke the record, league goal scoring record for Wickham Wanderers in four years, which is phenomenal for him. I'm so pleased. But you know, his biggest his biggest trait, the best thing about Akin Fenwa is what he gives you off the pitch, how he is around the dressing room, how he is with the players. He, he he's, uh, he's not someone to be argued with, but he doesn't use that. He does never, ever use that. I've never seen him once front up and, and be aggressive with someone. He is such a great guy. He is somebody you would have. We're, 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 we're Brothers, me and him, we're so close. We every day I'm speaking to him, um, and Matt Bloomfield as well. My two big generals, you know, I have five generals, those two are the big main ones. And we're saying, like, squad check, how's he? How's he? He, he looks a bit down, Bale. We have a chat with him, and then I'll see after training, he sat down on, on one of the advertising boards just chatting to the player that either he's seen as it needs a bit of a chat or, or I've seen and I've said, look, Bale, I don't think it should come from me. He's not playing because I've dropped him. Can you can you have a chat? And these people are vital for me in my culture. In all teams, it won't work. Some managers will go, I'm the boss. That's me. I'm telling you and that's it. And anyone talks to you, they're in trouble as well. I'm the opposite. I will go, I need you all. I need every single one of you boys. And if I upset the, the, the smallest, um, least experienced player in the team, I might as well go and upset the captain. They're all together for me, and that's what that's what he brings. He he, so cohesive to the boys. He's he's incredible, and you know when he walks in a room, believe me, you, he's one of these people. Where you walk in a room and you go, Bale's walked in, and that's that's <laughs> a big thing for people oh, to he, have. You know, is he is he yeah. st- is he going to be playing next season then? Because I thought we well, there's a bit of confusion around that. His contract twelfth uh, of June. Twelfth of June. It yeah. The, the contract runs out, so he's uh, he's he's in talks behind the scenes. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, okay. So I don't mean to put you on the talking. spot. I I I want to keep my best players and best characters at Wickham Wanderers, and I think it's important we do that for the future. Uh, and you can all make your mind up whether you think Bale's one of my boys, and we'll see what happens in the next few weeks. Well, it's his ninth club, so it's about time he settled down. Tell him I said that. Um, talking it's, about, it's the longest he's been anywhere, yes. Yeah, it is. Uh, he joined you in yeah, yeah. 2016. Um, he has actually played in a playoff final, hasn't he, for Wimbledon? I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, yeah, he, he did. Honestly, if you watch that, about three or f- uh, no, five, six years ago, uh, Wimbledon against Accrington was the semi-final. Yeah. If Akin Fenwa hadn't come on the pitch... Wimbledon would not have won that semi-final. Really? And in the final against Plymouth, 
If Hakim Fenwa had not come on that pitch, I don't believe they would have won that final either. I think he changed both games in a huge way. And the famous story is he, he took the penalty, he wrestled it. Well, he didn't wrestle it. He didn't have to wrestle it. But he, he said, I'm taking this penalty. And he scored that penalty. So, no, he's, uh, he's involved in the squad. Uh, he's he's going to be involved in the team on, on Friday and Monday without a shadow of a doubt. He's huge for me. Let me just um, ask you about Matt Bloomfield, who you mentioned there. He's, he's in his 16th 1-6-4 season. Three promotions and a League Cup semi-final and a playoff final. Uh, that's some contribution yeah. to it. Um, and when you, you, you know, when you talk about leading by example, Gary, again... You have somebody phenomenal, uh, daily chats with him. He'll do anything for this club, believe me, too much sometimes, you know, uh, uh, and and he'll always be there. We have things called player appearances where the players have to go here, there and everywhere during the weeks, rightly so, because they're, they're ambassadors and, and examples to the community. If someone can't turn up, Matt's always the first one to say, I'll, I'll go and do it. I understand, I'll go and do it. I'll represent the club. Um, yeah. And then on a Saturday, he's, when I tell leading by example, in the modern day, the players wear these GPS vests and, um, and you can read what metres they do and, and it's usually about ten or 11,000 metres per game for a midfield player. If Matt Bloomfield hasn't played and he's been on the bench and he hasn't got on, it's the worst, it's the worst thing in the world. You, you sub, you've built yourself up for a game, you don't get on. The manager doesn't put you on. Most of my players will do a little bit of running out of the game as quick as they can, get off, get a shower. Matt Bloomfield goes to my sports scientist says, what did the top person do today? Who got the most metres today? Okay. And then he goes on the pitch and he replicates the top metres that was done that day. So he runs the same as the top metres. Even though he didn't play, he didn't play a part in the game. He's out there running on the pitch. Floodlights have gone out. It's dark. He's still running till he gets to that 11,000 metres. What an example he is. And that's why he's still playing at 36, 37 years old. And that's why he's had a great career at Wickham Wanderers. He is 36, actually. Just so you know, yeah, next time you yeah. give him a new contract. Sorry, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, welcome uh, back in just a few moments to the podcast, concentrating on Wickham Wanderers. We've got your questions next. The lineup, of course, Jim Maitman, Matt Tessel, and the manager, Gareth Ainsworth. Welcome back. Um, I'm going to ask, uh, I don't know whether Jem would be able to guess one of these. Uh, what's been on the Gareth Ainsworth playlist in music during lockdown? Goodness me. Well, Gareth, I mean, you're the wild thing, aren't you? So I don't know, yeah. your, your musical tastes are varied, I understand, and you're a handy musician as well. With a guitar? <laughs> am I, am I right? Hair gives it. I was going to say, it's all it your right. own hair, mate, as well, probably, isn't it? You know? It's probably not garage or dance music. Is it now... Well, well, well here's, here's a clue for you, Jim. Uh, and, and also Matt Cecil. Um, his bands have been called, amongst other things, Dog Chew the Handle. Uh, offered a, 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 a support role with a... A tour uh, for Bad Manners, but football got in the way for Gareth. Um, and then um, Cold Blooded Heats, is it? Cold Blooded Hearts. Heats. Hearts. Cold Blooded Hearts. Um, so uh, your mother was a professional singer, wasn't she? Yeah, she was, Gary. Yeah. So, um, yeah, she was a, a big band singer. So back in the 60s, um, Dusty Springfield esque and Lulu and Brenda Lee, that sort of style, you know. And, uh, 
so did all the northwest circuits had had a record contract um given to her and turned it down to stay in blackburn and marry my dad so uh that was some commitment. That was uh, the ultimate commitment. Um, well, you should thank her because you wouldn't be here otherwise. Um, <laughs> and nor, nor would Wickham be in the playoffs, I suspect. So, Gem and I assume, uh, I, I don't know whether Matt has, I haven't got a clue what your playlist, but that was the first question we got to Gareth. So, what was your um, playlist during the lockdown? Um, being totally honest, nothing does sway me from my classic rock, Gary. So I am a big Stones, Who, Kinks, um, oh. Lately Motley Crue, Guns N' Roses is as about as modern as I get, you know. So uh, I'm a I'm a big rocker at heart, and uh, and so nothing modern. Uh, not really heavy metal. I mean, I, I had my I had my moments with Wasp and, and Iron Maiden was as bad as heavy as I got. But um, no, I'm, I'm probably rock, you know, if you could say anything, it'd be L.A. rock. Um, and that's that's where I've, uh, that's where it's always, I've always been. Um, there's been some dodgy haircuts over the years, but I think staying true to the, the musical taste that the Barnet is staying. And I've so, just had a, a great excuse to grow it in lockdown. So great. <laughs> I'll tell you what, mate, you've just, you've just said the who and the kink. So that's right up my street. I'll tell you that for, for one. Um, who would you say is the greatest greatest British band ever? Then, oh, the Stones, without a doubt. You know, mm. I've got to, I've got to say the Stones. Yeah, I mean, the Beatles had their thing, but I mean, I, I've got to give longevity. I've got to bring that into this. And and I, I saw the Stones uh, a couple of years ago at Twickenham, and uh, do you know what? They they are they are amazing. They are amazing. Keith Richards, uh, Ronnie Wood. I mean, just trading solos on guitar. Charlie Watts just like a, like a human drum machine just that you can say how the, they just stay together and mick was just he was fantastic the only thing i did notice was back in the 60s and 70s you see the stones you see the footwear they're cowboy boots they're all these designers uh, i don't know uh heels or whatever they call now mick wears a pair of nike trainers because i think his feet must be hurting after <laughs> all these years but he's still moving just the same as he ever did and uh and he was fantastic but um yeah the stones for me longevity yeah. just awesome awesome my, my uh, record collection which is pretty extensive at home includes the original blues numbers it's the original it, the, oh, yeah. it was all the blues numbers by the original yeah. guys and um, there were some fantastic real blue singers that you wouldn't remember like muddy waters and yeah i mean i'm a big jim morrison fan uh, gary so the doors were, yeah the doors uh, if you said uh, english is stones american um, I'd, I'd have to pull for the Doors. The Doors are one of my favourite. I've been to Pierre Lachasse in Paris. I've been to, to LA a few times. But he he took a lot of inspiration from Muddy Waters and Howling Wolf and and a real uh, the early blues singers. You know they were a real rock blues outfit. And uh, and so yeah, I do know you talk about Backdoor Man and and that sort of stuff. Yeah, fantastic. But I'll take issue with you before we go back to football. I'll take issue about the Stones and the Beatles because the Beatles. A lot of their music they wrote themselves, and McCartney yeah. and Lennon were wonderful writers. Some one of the most famous songs, it escapes me at the moment, was written on the back of an envelope in ten minutes. Uh, their yeah, their yeah, stuff has yeah. lasted as well, big time. My uh, um, uh, my seven year old granddaughter sent me a video of her singing when I'm sixty four, um, and, and and you know all their stuff has lasted as well. I won't be around. When I'm, she's not the the Beatles, I'm not saying the I'm not saying the Beatles were. I'm not saying the Beatles were bad. I don't no, right. think that. But no, I'm no. saying the Stones for me 
would be if it was a desert island thing, it'd be the Stones back catalogue over the Beatles. Your secret's safe with me. Let's go back to uh, <laughs> Matt. We haven't heard from Matt for quite a while. Um, what about the legends? We mentioned Steve Guppy, um, and, and I suppose an incredible legend is a guy who scored a fantastic uh, quarterfinal FA Cup goal that won the match at Leicester in injury time, but it was his only goal for Wickham, Roy Essendon. A legend who only scored one goal. Yeah, it feels unfair maybe to categorise him with people like Steve Guppy and, and Dave Carroll, Keith Ryan, um, you know, the team that dragged the club out of non-league and into the league in the early 90s. Uh, Roy Essendo turned up, uh, it's a brilliant story really, 2001, the, the club have got to the quarterfinals of the FA Cup, but had such a, a huge injury crisis, uh, particularly up front, had people like Andy Rammel, the old uh, Walsall striker, he picked up an injury, Andy Baird, Jermaine McSparren, Sean Devine, all the club strikers out injured. And uh, Laurie Sanchez, the manager at the time, is looking around for a striker who's not injured, but is also not cup-tied, because obviously you know, a lot of strikers at other clubs had already played in the FA Cup. And he tried to coax both Gianluca Vialli and Ian Wright out of retirement um, to come back and play uh, you know, for Wickham on free transfers. And they both declined oh. it. But there was an advert that appeared on, uh, on CFAX, I think it was, in the, at the time. His agent saw it, didn't he? His agent saw yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Wickham Wanderers need a striker who's eligible to play. Uh, I don't think anybody in English football had really heard of Roy Essendon. I think he played in Northern Ireland, Scandinavia, and uh, I think his English exploits ended uh, not far from you, Gem, at Rushton and Diamonds before they went under. Uh, so Roy Essendon turns up, he plays two league games off the bench. I don't think he really touched the ball, uh, but gets thrown on at Filbert Street against Leicester. They were fourth in the Premier League. Uh, they'd just beaten Liverpool at home the week before. And again, I'm not really sure he touched the ball other than when uh, it's nodded back across goal in the 90th minute. He's there, free header uh, to stick us into the semi-final of the FA Cup and becomes, you know, in, in FA Cup terms, a, a legend, a real Roy of the Rovers story. Um, so his place in Wickham folklore is safe. Uh, for me, growing up, as I mentioned, the names early, the early 90s, uh, Paul Hyde as well. And then in that FA Cup team, you had people like Martin Taylor, the goalkeeper, uh, Jamie Bates, Paul McCarthy, a fantastic defender, sadly passed away a few years ago, aged just 45, but a real Wickham Wanderers icon. Um, but I tell you what, this current team are eclipsing what those teams achieved as well. And people will be talking about Akin Fenwer, Bloomfield, Jacobson uh, for many, many years to come because of what they've contributed to this team. So uh, I've been privileged enough to see different generations of Wickham Wanderers. And uh, you know, we might just be able to, about to see our best ever team uh, achieve something that's never been done before. Do you know what? I'm staggered he only got one go, Essendon. I never knew that because yeah. you know yeah. you you see. It was only there for one year, Jim. Yeah, yeah, but one goal because you know they yeah. they they will will that goal out every every year in the FA Cup, don't they? You <laughs> yeah. see it every year, you know, and obviously yeah. Laurie Sanchez yeah. soaking wet, yeah, stuck stuck in a tunnel yeah. watching it on a monitor as well, of course. I think I think he'd been Jim. Um, I think he'd been sent off. Yeah, yeah, he he lost the plot over a well, yeah. Matt. You can you enlighten us on that one? Yeah, it was a. Uh, Clear-cut handball. Stefan Oakes, it was actually at Leicester, ended up playing for Wickham four years later. Uh, handball in the box. The referee, Steve Bennett, didn't spot it. And you just see on the TV, brilliant, Laurie Sanchez in his long brown overcoat, marching down the touchline to confront the, uh, the linesman. One camera angle catches it perfectly, what he says, uh, but it's not broadcastable. Uh, so Sanchez is sitting up <laughs> watching on a small TV in this room off the tunnel. Um, and then when the goal goes in, Sanchez goes ballistic. Uh, Steve Brown actually got sent off 
uh, by Steve Bennett as well because he took his shirt off to reveal a tribute to his son who had uh, had complications from birth and, and that was a very powerful moment for Steve Brown. The referee didn't see it that way, so it gave him a second yellow card and I think it made the front of a national newspaper this campaign to uh, overturn this red card because it was a, an injustice. So that, that story at uh, Leicester that day had so many subplots but Roy Essendon was uh, certainly the one who came out uh, as the headline. Jem, you've been a fantastic supporter and worked very hard with, with your colleague James Hayes on, on sponsorship and, and full marks to you. I think it's 25, 26 clubs now. Yeah. The question here is, uh, what is the attraction of Wickham sponsorship? Um, well, lots of things. First of all, it's a club on the up. And I think that there's, in fact, I'm going to sort of turn this round to, to Matt and, and to Gareth because I, I think there's a hell of a lot of pot potential uh, a club like Wickham, the fact that it's a club that's going in the right direction. But I remember having discussions before um, with previous owners and what have you at the club and previous employers and saying, how do you fill Adams Park? Or how do you, how do you grow that fan base? Because, and how do you, and, and, and what is Wick, uh, Wickham Wanderers' position in High Wickham and the, and the sort of wider, wider area? Is it, is it sort of other people's favourite second team, almost? Because you're so close to London, aren't you? You've got fans piling on the trains to go to Chelsea and Arsenal and, and Spurs mm -hmm. and West Ham and that. How do you combat that and how do you get... I mean, bearing in mind, as I said, 30 years ago, you were a non-league club, probably not even getting one, four figures. So now, you know, the growth has been huge. But how do you maintain that? Because I think the potential at Wickham is, is terrific. Matt, I'll give you that first. Yeah, I think... When the club moved to Adams Park, it was non-league uh, and not considered you know, a major entity in the town. And the council at the time didn't really want to give Wickham Wanderers prime land in the town centre. So we are out here in the sticks at the end of one access road. Uh, and that does cause its, its own challenges. And you know, we don't get the passing traffic. We don't get um, people flocking to us because they know if you want to get away at the end of the game, you've either got to leave 10 minutes early, which is when we score all of our goals, uh, or you know, <laughs> in a queue for, for an hour after the game. Um, I think Wickham, it's, it's a great kind of family area, a huge um, community outreach and you know, a lot of commuters uh, will move to Wickham with their families. That's what brought my parents to here uh, back in the 80s. Um, I think as, as a football club, we lost our way in the town when London Wasps Rugby Club moved over here. Uh, Wasps, mm -hmm. I think, had just won the Premiership. England had won the World Cup and there's, there's some big rugby schools in the area. And I think Wasps became the bigger sporting attraction and, and kind of bump Wickham Wanderers down to number two in the town. And, and that did have an impact. Um, the arrival of Rob Kuwig and his family who invested in the club last summer have really tried to reposition the focus that although we do have this wonderful football team on the pitch, it's all about the experience and what you can give fans off the pitch. And I think because of the club's restrictions and limitations in the past few years, some of that experience, some of the, the, uh, the off-field infrastructure and the stadium has maybe just been lacking and not quite had enough of a pull for people to come and watch us. Yes, we want to be people's second team. We want the QPR fans, the Chelsea, the Arsenal, who aren't going to their teams to watch those games, to come to us because we know we offer something that those clubs don't. And, and sometimes that's access to players. Uh, our lads will always stop for autographs and selfies at the front door. It's not heavy-handed security. It's a very friendly, welcoming environment. It's a great um, setting as well, isn't it? It's a lovely place to go and watch football, isn't it? It is, yeah. You know, yeah. wonderful views. Um, you know, fantastic facilities, the bar spaces we've got, the big fan zones outside. We've got one for home and away fans. Uh, it, is, it is set up for, um, you know, a great visitor experience. It's going to be even better this summer with some infrastructure changes and 
uh, some fiber connectivity and, and new potential with Wi-Fi and apps and screens and all these kinds of things, which are really going to drag us um, you know, in, into the modern age. So it yeah, is I an think, environment from, and I'm really starting to get behind it. From me, Matt, I think uh, the, the biggest thing for me is seeing the shirts around the town. You know, as the football manager, it never used to be there, Gem. And, and uh, honestly, when I first took over, and, and I, I used to walk around the town and, and nobody would stop me or anything. I don't want to be stopped, but now it's yeah. fantastic. It really is. There's been this, there has been this change in the last five years. I, I want, uh, but don't get me wrong, I know that. And if we got in the championship, that would be a, a huge part then in. I want to become people's first teams, not their second team. I want people to go, I support Wickham Wanderers. So firstly, I want them to be proud of their players and, and not just the football they do, but what they stand for, this this humble group. And, and we, we don't overpay. We, we can't overpay. But I want them to go, you know what? They're, they're not these megastars. They're, they're normal people. But yeah. they're, they're normal people who play for my club. I, I want the fans to connect with that. I really do. But I'm not stupid. Success and getting up a level will help in a huge way uh, uh, the next generation of fans going, I'll support Wickham Wanderers because they're a championship side now. They're, they're on a par with, with Derby, Forest, Middlesbrough, you know, these huge teams. That would be absolutely amazing. And do you know what? That may, I, I get hairs standing up on my arms talking about that, that I could affect these people in the town. That, that, not me, the players. They win these games, get to the championship. We could affect so many people in, in such a good way. I've had so many great letters saying you're our club you we really want this stand for it and it'd just be amazing if we could do it is that would that would mean so much to so many people and i'd be so proud of the boys if they could do that i'm feeling pumped Absolutely. now yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Jim. that's a motivate that's a churchillian speech there <laughs> <laughs> i would have saved, is, I better saved these for the weekend <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. good yeah. summary gem gem thank you for your contribution um i just want to leave Thanks, the last Jim. word with you before i thank the other two lads um, I suppose in an ideal world wearing your utilita hat, Portsmouth against Wickham would be an ideal playoff final. Yeah, it would be because we've got really good, strong connections with both clubs. They're two very different clubs, but they just, I mean, look, you know, we've just spoken to two brilliant people within Wickham now, you know, in, in, in Matt and Gareth, same at Portsmouth. It would be the ideal scenario. And I have to say, just, you know, as, as, a, as a Buckinghamshire boy, I, I genuinely mean it. I hope you go all the way. I really, really do. Because I think you've got the whole of Buckinghamshire uh, rooting for you, including a lot of people in Milton Keynes and the other end. So, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I'll be backing you every, every step of the way, lads. Best of luck. Matt, Matt, your uh, media relations are terrific at your club. Long may that continue, because that's an important thing in keeping the club on the map. And Gareth... You're not the longest serving manager in the 91 clubs for nothing. You deserve your success. And on a personal note, I hope you get it, mate. Thank you. Thank you very much, Gary. Appreciate that. Thank you.